Oh, hello there. I just, <laughs> that's so funny. I didn't even see you there. You. Oh, are you here for the Tipsy Tolstoy bonus episode? Oh, come on in. I'm Matt Garrisimovich. And I'm Cameron Lalana, just hanging out. And this is the worst intro that we've ever done, but <laughs> we're sticking with it. <laughs> it's because this is unpreplanned. Not unedited. I was going to say unedited, but slightly edited. None of those make sense in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part of the show or the part of the after show where we kind of shoot the shit, talk about ourselves, uh, respond to listener questions, interact with you guys, and explain to you why do we do the things we do if we have an explanation, which is not always... Uh, we, we probably won't. We might not. But so I think... Yeah, I think that I, I really wanted to do this because there's really a big void in podcasting for just like two guys talking. So I think that's something that, that we yes, can fill. Definitely. There's very few podcasts, you know, you just want some banter sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I'm going to create a bonus episode that is so much banter. Yeah. You know? So I, I, I've, mm -hmm. I have some friends who are like in stand up comedy clubs and they tell me they really love it when like two guys just talk about the times they hung out and that's super funny yep. and engaging. Oh, yeah. Oh, as a yeah. show mm -hmm. and as a comedy show. Yeah. Oh, as a sitcom, too. That's a good premise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So super like market where there's a big dearth of that content. And we are definitely looking to fill oh, yeah. that with a novel idea. Or well, That's what we're here for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that we've killed like five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I actually, okay. So pseudo, pseudo interview time. Matt, can I ask you? Do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ask it. How did you get into Russian things? Oh, good question. Thank you, Cameron. I wasn't expecting that. We didn't talk about that question beforehand. <clears throat> now, this is a question that I struggle with every time I'm asked because I don't really know, <laughs> and yet I've had to write it on so many applications. So, uh, I don't know. It cut like... So, obviously, I have like a Russian last name, but my family's not really Russian, so I just always had this long, yearning desire to just learn Russian. Uh, because uh, I'm an idiot and I couldn't just pick uh, an easier language or a country with nicer weather or uh, anything. So I was like, you know what? Let's uh, let's learn some Russian. Let's spend years of my life doing that. And now that I'm doing a PhD, it's basically like, all right, let's spend the rest of my life doing that. So, you know, it's good. I mean, what about you? How'd you... I feel like I don't actually know how you got into Russian. You just kind of stumbled along one day, and I met you in St. Petersburg. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's because it's a really embarrassing story. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I'm game. Okay, so when I was in high school, I did a lot of role-playing with my friends. Like, we would write stories where we'd all... In what sense? We... <laughs> Good... <laughs> Important question. <laughs> we'd all create characters and then write in one universe. And then I always like like to include at least one Russian character. I didn't know anything about Eastern Europe, but I always had one Russian character who's sure. my most over the top one. And then in a later role play, we were like part of the story is a Chinese triad, at least our characters mm -hmm. interacting with it. And I was tasked with designing like the the Chinese triad super special, you know, black ops, you know, special mm -hmm. forces group and um the idea was that they'd all been recruited through private military contractors. So I was like, okay, so these are the best of the best. They all have to be ethnically Chinese, but they can come from whatever background they want. So I just had a lot of fun. One of the characters I designed was a uh, like a guy who, there are a number of Chinese people in Russia. So like, okay, grew up in Russia, fought in these conflicts, yada, yada, yada. A couple of years later, I was having a lot of fun with the same idea, and I decided to write more about that one character. 
uh, Mr. Slav, and I kind of like took mm-hmm. him back from the future in the 2080s when that story took place and put him in like now. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, oh, he would have fought in the Chechen Wars, which I vaguely knew about. And so I was like, well, I want to write an accurate story about this character, Mr. Slav, who is a Chinese guy growing up in Russia. What is what are the things he faces? So in freshman year of college, I was taking a lot of creative writing classes and I did a lot of research into Chechnya and was reading like Human Rights Watch reports and Mark Galliotti biographies of the war. Now that's a sign of a stable human being. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, if you read my writing at the time, I was at community college and like all my friends had gone to real college and I was just like alone in my town reading mm. Human Rights Watch reports about torture. <laughs> uh, if you read my writing, definitely the sign of a super healthy human being. <laughs> and that kind of like spiraled until I was at UC Davis studying Russian politics. And then I was in Petersburg and I met you. And that's basically, yeah, nothing in our lives existed before that. Or after that. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it was just like one big blank void, and there's Petersburg, and now we're here. I, yeah, I don't have anything as interesting as that, but you've jogged my memory as to like something in my distant past that I remember doing, which was mm-hmm. as I was playing D&D with some of my friends, we were playing like this, this like space variant of it, and, mm-hmm. and I created like, <laughs> I was just like a Russian Orthodox uh, priest, and instead of playing the game as my friends had intended to play, I would try and convert everybody on this like space <laughs> rock that we were on into orthodoxy and i had like my incense sensor and like basically all i would do is recruit, is recruit people to my posse um and that that was it that was the whole game it was probably the most infuriating game for all of my friends it's where all of my friendships started to go wrong i would imagine <laughs> like, just a disaster <laughs> matt, matt i've got two things to tell you yes uh, a Unfortunately, in my current, uh, not D&D, but D&D-like campaign I'm playing, I am playing the priest of a militant church where I am trying to convert everyone else to my religion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And secondarily, I just want everyone else to know that when Matt and I were in Russia, there was we were so alike that there was a serious concern that we'd one day turn up to university wearing not only the same outfit, but the same outfit with the same clothing from the same brand. <laughs> Because we both bought from Banana Republic. Yeah. So Yeah, we're both shills for the Banana Republic. Uh yeah. Yeah. So that's just we, we apparently have like the same thought pattern. Just uh that's how we got here. Hey, I like good fitting chinos. That's all I gotta say about that. That's well I mean that yeah, that's a good reason. That's it's, a good reason. I I recently had to buy some pants from Target for my job and it, they just don't fit as good they as any of my chinos good. from Banana Republic. Mm-mm. No, sir. What that not. Aiden fit from Banana Republic? Oh, you got to get the Aiden or the Slim Aiden. That's what it is. Yeah. I think there's a Slim yes. Aiden. I don't know. They had like I had to buy new chinos um, because when I was in quarantine, I was like really into working out briefly. Which mm. um, after moving for my PhD, I have such since re- reversed the trend of that. Let's say, but I had lost <laughs> a bunch of weight, and I was like, okay, I actually need some new pants. So I had to go on like a, just an absolute journey to find the Banana Republic chinos that were my exact fit, which is just <laughs> apparently thick and juicy up top and slim skinny at the bottom. It is. It was an absolute struggle. AKA the Aiden. Yeah, AKA the it Aiden. It is a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's like five fits at Banana Republic. If you don't know, they've got like the Aiden, the Fulton, the the Mason, Camisa or something. The Mason. Yeah. It was a disaster. Yeah, it is. But once you find a fit that works. Anyway. Once you find a fit that works for you, use our coupon code. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
So yeah, there was a serious danger that we'd both show up wearing Banana Republic chinos, a Banana Republic blue checkered shirt, and like a Banana Republic gray sweater. (laughs) (laughs) I think it it may have happened once. And also we have kind of similar glasses, so like, and like similar hair colors, and (laughs) I don't know, similar heights. I don't know. Yeah, so anyway, we kind of... We kind of attached to each other in Russia. <laughs> I mean, they were like in our study abroad group, there were like three basic groups. The kind of I, I don't know how you thought of it, but I thought of it as kind of like there were the, the kids who like to party a lot. There was us, the kind of like in between where we did like to go out and get drunk, but we were also not all that we were not the most academic, and then there were like the Berkeley slash USC kids who all didn't talk to the rest of us. So Yeah. I didn't really think about the Berkeley slash USC kids, but like they were definitely there. And I feel like they probably would have been no, I don't feel like they would have been closer to us than the party kids. I, I don't know. They kind of blend into one group, which was just like the people that I didn't really hang out with. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't know. I miss right. Russia. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Even if, if you go to Russia, you might be surprised at how many like party oriented Americans are there. I it was. was really weird. I like, wouldn't you? Okay. If you didn't speak Russian, uh, just as a general person, if you didn't speak Russian and you wanted to go abroad for a semester to just party wouldn't you go to any other country besides russia yeah it seems like it just logistically would have stressed me out so much to have been there and not spoken russian because like a lot of people spoke english but not that well and also not that many actually so like i i don't know i kind of spoke russian and i was uncomfortable the whole time trying to figure out how to interact on a daily basis and i knew people who spoke spoke way less than me i know Hopefully, this person never listens to this podcast. They won't. Don't worry. But three months into this, <laughs> three <laughs> months into this study abroad, they looked to me at a restaurant and were like, "How do I say? Can I have water, please?" In Russian, and they had studied Russian about as long as I had. Yeah, and that was genuinely frightening to have to that encounter. Is, yeah, I don't know. My school had like this really strict thing where they're like, "You cannot go abroad under any circumstance unless you've studied for three years, no less." Or we will personally come to your dorm room and execute you. And say the last <laughs> part, but it was implied. And so, like, I like made sure that I knew what I was doing before I went, which it did benefit me. I think it was good. But then I was surprised <laughs> by how many people who like I, how many people had their advisors completely fail them, where they like studied like a little bit, but clearly not enough to have really been there. You know, mm-hmm. right? Which you I think experienced a little bit more because so. Matt and I were in different programs, technically. Matt was in a language program, which was basically all the classes were supposed to be taught in Russian, as if you yeah. were taking Russian-level college classes. I was just in a program where I was learning Russian alongside college-level courses, which were being taught in English. Yeah. So you were being, you were experiencing day-to-day the people who were supposed to be at a level where they could be taught in college-level Russian, Yes. but actually could not. Right. I think that was the the problem with our program was because they really weren't. There were like maybe a hand, five of us maybe, most of them being native speakers who really could have done it. Um, and really, I feel like I was on like the cusp where I like probably could have, but I don't know, it was pretty tough. So there were a solid 20, 25 people who like were not having a good time whatsoever. Uh, yeah, if you have not ever been to Russia, you should go because it's a trip. I think recently Matt and I were talking about our homestay parents and I, my homestay mother, I, I, I kind of love her. She was just like, she's a nice lady. Uh, we, we went on some trips together, traveled to some cities around Petersburg. Oh my, my, okay. But my, so interesting the way to interact with, we interact with them. But yeah, go on. Oh, 
my biggest regret is that that one trip that your host mom did to that like like crazy like medieval city on like the outskirts of St. Petersburg, whatever it was, was that yeah. I didn't go on that with you and everybody ditched you on that day. <laughs> and we were like, Black Cameron has to go with his host mom. But that would have actually been so much fun. I wish I had gone. I wish you had gone because I desecrated a holy site <laughs> <laughs> in the one of the oldest towns in Russia. They have like the some of the few pre Mongol buildings still standing there. Which if you don't know, Russia was was conquered by the Mong. A lot of Eastern Europe is conquered by the Mongols and administered to by the so-called Golden Golden Horde through like two hundred years. In like oh, wow. I don't know, maybe twelve hundred to fourteen hundred, a long time. And this is like one of the few buildings that are older than that, so they were easily a thousand years old. Incredible! I accidentally broke a pipe from a holy spring. <laughs> but <laughs> what are you gonna do about it? My grands, my, my my homestay mother did direct me to stand on it, so I I'm not saying it's her <laughs> fault, but I am saying that she told me to do it. No, okay, I was I okay, so. Okay, so my regret is not, (laughs) my regret is twofold. One, primarily is not having gone in general because it sounds like a great trip. Two, oh my goodness, would I have loved to have been there to witness that chaos. (laughs) (laughs) The people behind us are like staring at us and my host mother hauled me out and she looked at them and looked at me and was like, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) We just left. No. I was like, should we tell someone? And she was like, yeah. Oh, my host mom was the opposite of like, in terms of telling people. There was one day when I had to accompany her to the ATM for whatever reason. She was like trying to yeah. get something fixed with her phone. And we were on like the autobus, which had like the autobus. We were on a bus that it, <laughs> it, it had the smell that all Russian buses have. And she didn't really, she hasn't, she wasn't much of an outdoors or. She really didn't leave the apartment much. So, like, she got on the bus, and then she was like, oh, do you smell that? And I was like, yeah, it's the bus. Uh, and she, like, went up to the, the conductor, which I – or, like, the driver, which I had never seen anyone do. And she was, like, banging on the glass window, and she was just yelling that the bus smelled. And I was like, oh, please get me off of this bus. I'm an American. I can't be here. Do I have my documents <laughs> on me? And it was just, you know – yeah something speaking of documents actually i know we're just jumping from topic to topic but i i recall at one what point, this is two boys yeah. talking <laughs> <laughs> like maybe two months into living in russia one of my history professors was talking about the draft in modern day and he kind of stops and is like you all carry your documents on you right and then we're all like yeah this is russia we're all a little afraid all the time and he's like yeah. well good because if you don't have your documents and you can't prove you're an american <laughs> then you might be drafted into the army because everyone of your age should be in the army or should be in college. And if they aren't, then the police will just draft them on the spot. So that'll be a huge ruckus. Mm-hmm. And we were all sitting there like, wait, hold, no one told us about this. Can you repeat that? What did you just say? Yeah. Yeah. I- we were just told to have documents in case that was like relevant, not in case we need to prove that we shouldn't be in the Russian army right now. That was probably like... I was scared about my documents before you told me that story. And I don't know if that story is actually true, but it scared me. <laughs> I, I know you can be pressed into service on the street, so I don't know how much that actually happens, but... Yeah, they, they, they will fly a helicopter in and ship you off the war right there. <laughs> anyway, so as you can tell, the best days of our lives happened in Russia, even though it was kind of frightening the whole time. Yeah, it... Yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't, like... I, I don't think I was that frightened, though, honestly, even though I joke about it. Mm. I was actually me neither. I, I had a good 
time. People people were really nice to me. Yeah, before I went to Russia, my Russian professor, who was from the Soviet Union, was like, when I go back, I'm afraid to mention that I'm an American now, and I don't know if you should either. And when I went there, people were like, can you follow me on Instagram? That's so cool. Do you want to hang out? <laughs> and I was like, not really, but yeah, I'll follow you on Instagram. <laughs> I'd, I've never had, like, the sensation of, like, people were like, oh, well, we have to take a photo because you're an American. And I was like, yeah. we no, we don't have to, but we can. It's fine. It's like, like I I don't know. It was wild. I think, like, St. Petersburg was one thing. And St. Petersburg, Moscow, they're kind of used to foreigners there. Mm. Even though, like, St. Petersburg, I feel like people were still kind of like, whoa, it's so cool. But really, when we took that volunteer trip to Yaroslavl, yep. people were like, what are you doing here besides drinking our craft beer? <laughs> <laughs> we were actually stopped at like 11 p.m. in a train station by a guy who was like, why mm. are you here? Mm -hmm. Also, let me tell you my opinion about every Soviet film that had ever <laughs> came out. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't like that. I'd like to go home, please, sir. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, even... even our Russian friends were like, that guy's kind of sketched, and she tried to separate us. Yeah. He was a little yeah. weird. God bless little... her. Didn't didn't enjoy that. Although I will say, I'm, I'm like a little bit darker, and I was, I'm darker now than I was then because I hadn't seen the sun in like six months at that point. <laughs> uh, but Russians aren't like a little bit afraid of people who kind of look like they might be from the Caucasus region. So when I was trying to find my way home at night because I never owned a phone in Russia because I was an idiot, uh, people would like kind of flinch away from me if I was like, like <laughs> they'd be like that way please don't look at me unless they were like an immigrant from one of the caucus regions then they'd be like super happy to accompany me and like the first time it happened i was like oh my god i'm gonna be mugged and then after that when when like guys from like azerbaijan would be like oh yeah yeah follow me down this alleyway i'd just be like it's probably a shortcut <laughs> <laughs> because they're always super kind and like yeah. very happy to chat with me when all the russians would like look down and be like i would walk up to people that i would think were scary like like some parents and like i assume their son like some giant like six foot five guy just like shaved head and they'd all like look the other way and be like i think it's i think the trotsky sabor is that way i feel like people from the caucuses like when i was when i always would have to get a taxi or an uber home because we were out too late and the metro wasn't running like if they were people from the Caucasus, they would be happy to learn that I was, in fact, not a Russian. Mm. They would be interested and relieved to hear that I was an American, <laughs> which, you know, make of that what you will. Right. Maybe they shouldn't have been, given some of the Americans we occasionally hung around, but... I, yeah, I, okay, I, I guess they were interested and pleased because it's just different. Uh, but yeah, some of the Americans right. that were in our program, I was like, I, if I was driving a taxi, I wouldn't want you in it. <laughs> Some of the people we knew might have done greater diplomatic harm to Russian-American mm -hmm. relations than perhaps even like the whole 2016 thing. Or the Cold War. Uh, <laughs> or the Cold War, yeah, either or. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've ever read The Ugly American, but in it, it basically describes like how Americans, when they become abroad, when they, when Americans go abroad, they suddenly become this like particular weird elitist group that only hangs out with other Americans and becomes inscrutable yeah. to everyone else and they refuse to interact with them. That was kind of how I felt about a, a lot of people, who, a lot of Americans I met in, in Russia that they tended to, I don't know, like they were above Russian things. Yeah. And I ran into a lot of people who like would make fun of Russia, which I like a good Russian joke, but I n never to the extent that like, haha, the stupid country doesn't know how to run itself. Yeah. 
I think it it was okay. So like I agree that they thought that they were above Russia, but they totally, totally weren't because like I feel like most of those people were people that like couldn't really actually speak Russian, so it was almost like a defense mechanism. Right. Okay. I I actually I actually do have an on topic maybe question about Russia for you. Sure. So Russia is not exactly known for its cuisine. However, I have found that I kind of lust after Russian cuisine, or at least Slavic yeah. cuisine. Do you have that reaction? After coming back, probably, yeah. Or just in general, mm. I don't know. My girlfriend got me this Russian cookbook a couple months ago for my birthday. And have I made anything out of it? No. But do I want to? Oh, so badly I do. A lot of the meals I had that my host made were just like super simple, but oh man, they were so good. I don't know what it was about it. Yeah. Just, I want it. That's the thing about Russian cooking, or at least Slavic cooking. Like, I don't normally eat meat or bread, mm-hmm. but today, this whole week, actually, I've just been, like, desiring yeah. buterbrat. I just want some good, <laughs> like, bologna on bread with some yeah. cheese and some, like, very spicy oh, yeah. mustard. That's just what I want, even though I normally don't eat any of those mm-hmm. things, really. Or, like, a couple weeks ago, a friend of mine who's Ukrainian made me some varaniki mm. and that was incredible i just there's something about slavic food which i would not necessarily qualify it as good but it is definitely the cuisine that i like just desire the most i <laughs> yeah i feel like i would agree with that i don't know yeah if someone asked me like what cuisines do you think are the best i'd be like oh my god ethiopian is so good and mm-hmm. flavorful so many northern indian foods i really like etc cetera, etc cetera. but like in my heart <laughs> i just want i just want uh, oh, what are those called? Like they're like um empanadas, pierogi. Sh- I always want shebuneki, oh, cabbage, yeah. pierogi, yeah. and like pilmeni. Yeah. That's that's mm-hmm, what I really mm-hmm. want. No, I I get that. I totally feel that. I don't know what it is. There's also my host mom made these absolute bomb like cutlets. Oh man, they were good. Oh, man, were they good. Mm. And I've, like, thought about remaking them, but I just know I can't do them justice. I even followed this, like, Mm. Russian cooking channel on Yandex, but I know I can't do it right, so (laughs) we'll see. That's a quick little tip for all of you out there who are looking to learn about Russian things. Just follow Yandex anything, Yandex Translate, Yandex News. That's it. It's just good. It's good Russian insight. I'm also, like, I'm kind of sad that uh, it's pandemic times at at the moment because... Like, the suburb of Chicago that I live in now is very Slavic in general. Like, a lot of Russian and Eastern European immigrants. And I feel like I would be able to get just such good food if I could leave my house to go do things. And I don't, I just, (laughs) I don't really want to go explore right now because I don't want to get the virus because I'm scared. I'm a scaredy cat. And so it's kind of, it's kind of sad. Because you know what I want is I just want, I want to go to a meat market. You know, I want to get that Slavic meat and I want to get that Slavic food, but I can not. Want to go look in that meat display, which is just like 15 types of like sausage. They all look the same, but they all have very different names. Like what's the difference between the kalbasa and the, you know, this and that. And like they kind of shrug. <laughs> like, all right, well, I guess I'll get some kvass and whatever the cheapest is. Oh, kvass. I really, I want to get, I'd never had fresh kvass. That's my biggest regret about mm-hmm. Russia. I never found fresh kvass and i'm told by people who like 
mostly friends of mine who've spent time in Ukraine that there's nothing quite like a roadside kvass that I just that's something I want I feel like uh, that's part of the problem of being in St. Petersburg was like we didn't really go out of like the city center Mm. Uh, we went like a couple roads off because we were ambitious but like that's why I really but we almost got mugged there (laughs) yeah yeah that's why I really treasure my time in Yaroslavl because I feel like and that to be like cliche and like oh that's the real Russia but I felt like because we got to hang out with actual Russian like people that were our age for a week straight that had to basically babysit us and take care of us I feel like uh uh and because I got to translate for uh everybody uh but between us for like a whole week (laughs) you know I really got to the core of it you know that was like that's probably my most treasured memory I think oh yeah me too because that was just like I mean in Petersburg there was a lot of really cool things there and Petersburg is definitely the cultural capital of Russia, but it's also like where all the outsiders come. Yaroslavl is not like that. Yaroslavl is where Russian people go to vacation. And so when the students who help us out there. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's part of, the, what is that? Yeah, it's in the golden ring, but like, yeah, yeah it was just so cold. <laughs> it was just so cold. I mean, so is, so is Petersburg. That's so is true. most of That's northern true. Russia. <laughs> It, like that was where other I think where other Russians would go to visit and they're like so they're like showing us around things which were still touristy yeah, but yeah, like yeah. they take us just to like I remember on the last day we went to a Ferris wheel and I think it was at a fairgrounds but there's literally no one there except for us so we like got into that Ferris wheel all by ourselves it was it it I it, it could have been a Call of Duty map I swear it was so bizarre <laughs> and then we looked at like the whole old Yaroslavl which we never once set foot in and I was looking at that, like, I think that's where, like, the city really exists. We're in, like, the new Yaroslavl. Yeah, you'll get trapped in that dimension if you uh, if you step foot as a partner into old Yaroslavl. <laughs> if I step one foot in there, like, the boyars are going to come <laughs> knock me down for wearing strange, <laughs> strange Western clothing. The, uh, the bear with the poleaxe in the city center is going to come slice you down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard, though, because I feel like there's a pressure as somebody who's visiting like a country like Russia to see like, you know, see the sights, see like, this is what you got to see mm-hmm. if you're in Russia. And they're totally right. Because if I had not seen like the hermitage and like a lot of these other museums and whatnot in St. Petersburg, it would have been kind of sucky because that's a, a large right. amount of culture that you're missing out on. But at the same time, I feel like if I had just stayed there the whole time and I didn't really get to see anywhere else, it would have been a, a much different experience i feel like since i've seen kind of the main things now i would like like i would just love to spend a year just chilling in some small village like i would be so cool just hanging out yeah i think i i agree because when i the trip you mentioned earlier when my host mother and i went yeah. to staraya ladoga the thing that really made it for me was not just like we're visiting this old russian village but it was the parts where like my homestay mother who brought like a big bag with us with like step into someone's dacha yard and start picking apples up off the ground and i'd be like is this okay and she'd be like they've already fallen you don't even know them you're stealing apples from their dacha you gotta you gotta <laughs> run out of there when they come out chasing you with the frying pan you know you got a bolt <laughs> yeah like the real russian experience was not oh i just saw a statue of rudik that's like 1500 years old i've just stolen apples out of someone's dacha yard with my homestay mother and we're gonna go home and like leave those in a yep. bucket for the next week that's that's real russian experiences yep. <laughs> that's what i treasure yeah i treasure like sitting at a bus stop and like my homestay mother pouring tea from a thermos and like giving me some very 
on toasted bread with very cold mm. meat and like that's oh yeah that, like that, that doesn't had sound good but like i kind of want that again i've had one of those you brought it in it was the stale rye bread but the meat wasn't good yeah. nothing was good and you said do you want one of these and i said no but i'll eat it because i'm hungry because i didn't pack lunch <laughs> thinking i could survive off only a snickers bar from the vending machine and classic a classic and wow am i nostalgic for one of those right now i just want my mouth to be just dry <laughs> yeah all the bread that i got in that household was just stale <laughs> i don't know if that's like how the way they make the bread but it was thick and it was stale and i kind of want it again i can't find it in america <laughs> yeah, i don't know what it is there's just something like I hate it so sucks to be one of these people who study Russia for so long and your conclusion is just like there's just something you can't describe about it but like I don't know it's it's a difficult experience to describe yeah Stockholm syndrome maybe (laughs) probably I like I spent so I spent the similar amount of times in like Spain and Russia and my whole recollection of Spain where I was also not in a touristy place I was in a place that was basically a college town so like also where Spanish people would have gone to hang out. And that was like easy living. That was like walking through the town, getting going to bars to get drinks, just having a good time running into students and people from Germany and, <laughs> and chatting. Russia was so much harder, but also I feel like I got a lot more out of it and I want to go back way more than I want to go back to Spain. I don't know how to explain it. For what it's worth, I don't ever hear you talk ever about Spain. We talked about it when we first met <laughs> and then it's like Spain yeah. had been sawed off from the earth, the earth's globe and <laughs> was just thrust into space and you had forgot about it. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's not that much to say about it. Like I learned some politics stuff, which was mm-hmm. interesting, but that was superseded by my later education. And then I had like a really good time hanging out with people and going to clubs. That was kind of it. It was easy living. I enjoy it. That was a easy, fun time in my life. Yeah. But it wasn't challenging in the same way that Russia was like on a day-to-day basis in a way that I really remember. Like in Spain, I live in California, so I grew up very used to having a lot of Spanish road signs Mm -hmm. all around. So in Spain, I'd go see like, oh, this is Santa Maria Avenue or whatever. And I'd be like, oh, that's (laughs) I know five Santa Maria (laughs) Avenues, like five blocks from my house. And then I go to Russia and I'm like, okay, so I'm on (laughs) Red Army Street 3. How many Red Army Streets are there? There are seven, seven right next to each other. Okay, cool good and this is down the street from soviet streets one through eight cool so where do i live again uh that's right next to uh dictatorship of the proletariat park (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know i like uh, that's why i'm like part of the reason why i'm so sad it's just pandemic hours right now it's just right i so badly want to go back i want someone for to pay for me to go back is really what i want well, <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, that's uh, that's a bonus episode. Yeah, that was bonus episode one. Us being melancholy about Russia. You know, just like normal. The music used in this episode was Bella Chow by Toasted Tomatoes. You can find more of their stuff on toastedtomatoes.bandcamp.com and also on YouTube under the same username. If you enjoyed this episode, then you might be interested in supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash tipsytolstoy. You can get all kinds of goodies there, including access to future bonus episodes, input on what we'll be reading in the near future, and even a handwritten note from Matt and I. If you're on the fence, totally cool. We understand. We'll still occasionally post bonus episodes wherever you normally get your podcasts. And, of course, Tipsy Tolstoy is itself now and forever free, as education should be. Don't forget to tune in this Friday for our next episode. We'll see you there.